Today's episode is brought to you by Canva. Uh, We're all looking for ways to make an impact at work, but not all of us are skilled in visual design. A Canva helps you get your point across uh, simply and beautifully. It's easy to design Canva presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos. You start with a designer-made template and customize it with your content. Uh, plus, add graphics, charts, and more from Canva's massive media library. Whatever department you work in, Canva is perfect for any task. Sales decks, hiring docs, marketing brainstorms, employee videos, you name it. Anyone at work can design with Canva. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work. This episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hears from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to BrainStuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, BrainStuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. The Turing test is legendary in the field of artificial intelligence. First proposed by the visionary British mathematician Alan Turing in a landmark 1950 paper, the test provides a practical and pretty fun way to determine if a computer has achieved human levels of intelligence. Turing called it the imitation game. If a computer, through a text-only chat, can convince a human that it's a real person, then it passes the test. Simple in theory, but nearly impossible in practice. Turing came up with the imitation game in response to colleagues and critics in the late 1940s who insisted that a machine could never be truly intelligent. But Turing had more faith in these primitive new machines he called digital computers. That's because Turing was the very first to envision something that we take for granted today, a single machine that can be programmed to do almost anything. Odds are you're listening to this podcast on just such a machine. 
In brief, Alan Turing was a British mathematician who came up with the idea of modern computing and whose code-breaking played a major role in the Allied victory over the Nazis in World War II. Also, he was a world-class cross-country runner who may have qualified for the 1948 Olympics if not for an injury. But his life was also tragic due to prejudices of the time. He was prosecuted in 1952 for having an affair with another man, homosexual acts being illegal in Britain until 1967, and he accepted a form of chemical castration as a condition of probation in order to avoid jail time. His security clearance was revoked, ending his work for the British government. He was found dead of cyanide poisoning in 1954, though it's still unclear whether his death was a suicide or an accident. In 2013, he was pardoned of his conviction by Queen Elizabeth II. Turing was writing about computers well before any such thing existed. Back in 1936, he introduced the concept of the universal computing machine in a dense mathematical paper called On Computable Numbers with an application to the Entscheidungsproblem. This was a decade before the first electronic computer would be built. Turing wrote, According to my definition, a number is computable if its decimal can be written down by a machine. It is possible to invent a single machine which can be used to compute any computable sequence. Turing's definition of computability, of something that a computer can do, is what's known today as an algorithm. Turing was the first to lay out the design framework of a machine that could be programmed to run a series of discrete algorithms in order to achieve a desired task. Other mathematicians and engineers had toyed with calculating machines, most famously Charles Babbage's 19th century analytical engine. But Turing envisioned a device that wasn't limited to solving one kind of problem. We spoke with Andrew Hodges, a mathematics professor at Oxford University and author of Alan Turing, The Enigma, the inspiration for the Oscar-winning 2014 film, The Imitation Game. Hodges explained, anything you can describe as an algorithm can be done by one machine. The universal machine is essentially what we mean by a computer now, something on which you can store the instructions and it carries them out. No one else had formalized that idea. From the start, Turing's universal machine was conceived as a very simplified form of artificial intelligence, even though that term wouldn't be coined until 1956. Hodges says that the design of the universal machine was meant to imitate the inner workings of the human mind, a subject that fascinated Turing almost as much as mathematics. In fact, when describing how his universal machine would work, Turing used the term state of mind to label the different read and write functions of the machine. In Turing's conceptual machine, a length of tape is run through a read-write scanner. The tape is inscribed with bits of information represented by symbols. The scanner head can either read the symbols or write new ones according to its state of mind. Turing wrote in his 1936 paper, the operation actually performed is determined by the state of mind of the computer and the observed symbols. In particular, they determine the state of mind of the computer after the operation is carried out. A decade later, when Turing was leading the stalled British effort to build one of the first electronic computers in 1946, he also studied neurology and human physiology on the side. The result was an internal paper published for the National Physical Laboratory that modeled how a computer could be programmed to learn on its own. Hodges sees it as one of the earliest proposals of what are now called neural networks, a type of deep machine learning that's at the bleeding edge of artificial intelligence. Turing wasn't the only person intrigued by the similarities between human and machine intelligence. A surge of new technologies developed during World War II, including early computers, space satellites, and nuclear power, had captured the intellectual and public imagination. 
Hodges said, as soon as computers are mentioned at all, people are talking about electronic brains and the possibility of the computer rivaling the brain. The 1948 book Cybernetics by Norbert Wiener coined the prefix cyber and wondered whether it would be possible to, quote, construct a chess-playing machine and whether this sort of ability represents an essential difference between the potentialities of the machine and the mind. Wiener concluded that such a machine might very well be as good a player as the vast majority of the human race. It was during this era of excitement and nervous speculation about superintelligent machines that Turing wrote Computing Machinery and Intelligence, what Hodges calls one of the most cited papers in philosophical literature. Turing begins, I propose to consider the question, can machines think? Then, since the definitions of machine and think are ambiguous, Turing narrows the scope of the question. For his purposes, the machine must be a digital computer, and the test of whether or not it can think would be answered by the imitation game. The game, now known as the Turing test, is only mentioned briefly in the paper, and Hodges says that Turing didn't take the details of the test too seriously, publishing different versions in other papers. But Turing did like the playful simplicity of it. Hodges said, In a way, he was making a drama out of it. It presented this idea of the possibility of advanced artificial intelligence in a way that engages people and that ordinary people would make the decision, like a jury in a trial. When the Turing test was first published in 1950, Turing himself was confident that intelligent machinery, as he called it, would be able to win the imitation game within 50 to 100 years. So will his predictions come true? We already have superintelligent computers capable of outwitting the smartest players in other types of games. In 1997, IBM's Deep Blue defeated the reigning chess champion Garry Kasparov, and Watson beat the record-breaking Jeopardy! champion Ken Jennings in 2011. But the imitation game raises the bar high on artificial intelligence, and no computer has come close to convincing an ordinary human that it's one of us. At least, not yet. An annual contest called the Loebner Prize conducts its own Turing tests on the top chatbots to see if the latest AI software can convince a panel of judges that it's just as human as its human creators. None of the chatbots have succeeded. The best performer, a conversational chatbot called Mistuku, has only achieved a rating of 33% human. But when our writer, Dave, went online to chat with her, he was impressed by her natural language responses and deep knowledge, albeit probably too deep for a typical dopey human, he said. And when he asked her if a chatbot will ever pass the Turing test, she had the perfect answer. You be the judge of that. Today's episode was written by Dave Ruse and produced by Tyler Klang. BrainStuff is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more on this and lots of other intelligent topics, visit our home planet, HowStuffWorks.com. And for more podcasts from iHeartRadio, including one from Ken Jennings called Omnibus, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Today's episode is brought to you by Canva. Uh, We're all looking for ways to make an impact at work, but not all of us are skilled in visual design. A Canva helps you get your point across uh, simply and beautifully. It's easy to design Canva presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos. You start with a designer-made template and customize it with your content. Uh, plus, add graphics, charts, and more from Canva's massive media library. Whatever department you work in, Canva is perfect for any task. Sales decks, hiring docs, marketing brainstorms, employee videos, you name it. Anyone at work can design with Canva. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. 
I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.